So in my office, just outside the door, right there is the River Life office. Kong and I work there during the week. So in my office, I've got a little shelf full of toys because I like toys and I'm basically a grown-up eight-year-old. And, and I love it. So I've got, and all of these toys, they just make me smile. And so, so here's a pick. I've got, I've got some Star Wars action figures, a Tron light cycle, a Hulk that I 3D printed. I've got Baby Groot, Spock, a little pug. And this week, I added a new one to my collection. So I, I picked up a 1980s era Space Legos. And, and if, if you've never seen these, th th this was the most popular Lego of the, the late night. It went from 79 kind of through the 80s. And I played with these things all the time. I had a huge collection of space Legos. So thank you eBay and Trekker 79 for my new toy. And I did. I played with these space Legos all the time, and I loved it. Now, just in case, I, oh, in case you've never heard of these space Legos, here, here's a picture of what a whole bunch of the collection looked like. They probably had about at least 20 or 30 different sets that you could buy, and they were awesome. Uh, this was before the days of, of Legos that were Star Wars kind of branded. They, they were just generic space sets. And I would spend hours playing with these things. I had them in a giant box and I, I would put them together and take them apart and re-put them together something new and, and I loved it. Now, in case you're picturing me as like a cute little 10-year-old playing Legos, um, I brought these things to college <laughs> and I was still playing with space Legos all the way from this all the way through college. And so, so when, this, when this one arrived, it arrived during the week, and, and I got so excited. So I immediately opened it up, and I had two thoughts. First, I have to put this together right now. Forget dinner. Forget sermon prep. No, i got to put this together right now. So I did. And then the second thing I, thing I thought was, I so want more. So I immediately went to eBay. And I'm currently tracking 12 auctions. <laughs> so I may blow our bank account on Space Legos in the next couple weeks. But I love it. It is so much fun. And it brings back all of these amazing memories of my childhood. Um, and, and so they're great. And I just want more and more of them. So, so I'm wondering if, if any of you, any of you collect stuff. So I'm starting a collection of kind of these 80s era toys that I played with. And so do any of you collect stuff? Maybe, maybe it's action figures, uh, b baseball, basketball cards, uh, fishing poles. Guys, you know I'm talking to you. You've got, you've got like way more fishing poles than you can ever touch. Okay? Maybe, you, maybe you've got a little collection of, of something at the house. And, and when, you, when you start a collection... It's really easy to want more and more. It, and, and it's cool as it just starts to grow. And you just want more and you want more. And that's just, that's just collectibles. But what about the stuff, like the more serious stuff of life? What about the stuff of life that you start to want more and more of? Whether it's money, friends, likes, on Facebook, followers on Instagram, clothes, shoes, gadgets. Maybe you want more and more compliments, more and more happiness, 
more and more comfort. Those are all things in life that are a whole lot more serious than some Legos on a, on a shelf. But those are things in life that we can want more and more of. How about faith? Do you ever think of faith as something you want more and more of? How about you ever think of your relationship with God as something you want more and more of? I think it's really easy to get sucked into a, a co collection or maybe something in life. But, you know, it's also really easy to sort of get settled into faith. Especially as you grow older, where you kind of feel like, can this just be good enough? Like, I'm a decent Christian. I don't do too many bad things. I try to be nice, and I go to church. Like, like can't that just be good enough? So I'll be honest, I, I struggle with this. So I've worked hard over my life to, to follow God, to be Christ-like, to have a faith that is strong and rooted so that when the tough things come, it doesn't shake me and I don't turn away and turn to my own stuff. And so I've worked hard to try to create this faith. And, and here I am sort of at the cusp of 50 uh, in a few years as, as I'm getting older and feeling older. Sometimes I have this feeling of, can't I just sit back? Can't I just ride this out? I've got a decent faith. Isn't this good enough? Can't I just ride out the rest of my life with the faith that I have? Well, the Apostle Paul would give a resounding no <laughs> to me on that one. As much as I might want it, the Apostle Paul would say no. When, when it comes to life with Christ, there is no such thing as sitting back. There's no such thing as good enough. There's no such thing as coasting and just letting things be. A good enough faith is not what the Bible talks about. It's not what God desires for us. And Paul said this over and over and over again in all kinds of different ways. So we're going to read one of those ways he talked about it today. It's out of the book of 1 Thessalonians. Uh, and in this passage, it's chapter 4. In this passage... Paul introduces a big picture, and then he gives a couple examples of how to live out that big picture. And we're going to focus in a little bit more on the big picture today than the examples. Uh, this could be a whole sermon about the example, but here I want us to stay a little higher today. Let's look at the big picture principles. So let's start with verse 1. This is out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. As for other matters, he transitions from some other things he was talking about. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. As in fact, you are now living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. I love this chapter because he affirms 
the, the Thessalonians. Uh, this is from the Greek city of Thessalonica, which is northern Greece. Not quite up to Turkey, what we would call Turkey, but it's up in northern Greece. And there was, there was a church there that Paul planted. He actually planted this church. And he wrote this letter probably within one to two years of him planting the church. So here he is writing back to them and saying, you're doing this pretty well. Like, this is awesome. We've instructed you how to live, and you're doing it. But I want to challenge you. I want to urge you, do it more and more. So he starts out with the key, first big picture principle. Live to please God. So it raises a pretty obvious question for all of us. Who are you living to please? Yourself? Your family? Your friends? Your boss? God? Now sometimes it might not be that black and white. Who are you living to please? So I think maybe a better question might be, how much of your life are you living to please God? Is it, Kind of 80% please God, maybe 50-50 depending on the week. <laughs> Is it one out of seven? You get like Sunday, you're working to please God. The other days, you kind of do your own thing. So that is a fundamental question of the Christian life. Who are you living to please? And that's what he starts out with. Who are you living to please? But he doesn't stop there. He continues on with the idea, do this more and more. If you're living to please God, can you do it more and more? If 50% of your life is living to please God, can you do it 60? Can you do it 70? If 95% of your life is pleasing God, can you do it 5 more percent? For every stage of life. Paul is saying, he is challenging, he is urging, can you live to please God more and more? So this is what I'm going to call a more and more faith. And Paul urges it. I think it's really easy for us to have a good enough faith. A good enough faith where like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of okay, I'm not a terrible person, I don't shout very often. I don't get too drunk when I go out. I've never, like, killed anybody. And, and, and I come to church as much as I can. And, and I give some money. So, like, isn't that good enough? In God's economy, there is no good enough faith. God challenged us to live a more and more faith. And Paul is saying it right here. So then from here... Next, he elaborates a little bit more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Okay, now there's a big church word there, sanctified. Now, I don't use Greek much in my sermons because I don't want you to get the impression that you've got to know ancient languages to read the Bible because you don't. God has written his Bible. He has given us this gift so that all of us could understand it. But sometimes there's some Greek that's just too good to pass up. So I want to tell you about this word sanctified. 
So in, so in Greek, it's, it's a word that's very similar to the word holy. That word, if, if you've been around churches for a while, you may have heard this one before, hagios. That's the word holy. And that is a state of being holy. And you are either are hagios or you are not hagios. That's the state of being righteous and pure. But this word sanctified, that's not the word holy. It has the same root, but it's a different word. This word is hagiosmos. This word means the process of becoming holy. This word is a process word. This word is a journey word. This word is a lifelong adventure of becoming more and more holy. That's why I love this word sanctification. Because it doesn't say you've got to have it all together. And I think a lot of churches directly and indirectly preach a message that you've got to have it together to be a part of us. No, you know what this verse, this word says? This word says, are you a little better than yesterday? Are you a little more Christ-like than last year? Are you a little closer to God? Do you have a little bit more intimate relationship with God than you did a month ago, two months ago, three months ago? This is a more and more process word. Here is one definition that I ran across that, that I really liked. That this word sanctified. The act of becoming more personally dedicated to God. Especially by coming, becoming more distinct devoted, or morally pure. That's a journey word. That's why we call, we, we talk about faith as a spiritual journey. Because it's not an either you got it or you don't. Nah. This is a journey. It's a process of becoming more and more. It is God's will that you become more and more. It is God's will that you, not that you have a good enough faith and you kind of sit in that and stay in that and just keep coming to church and just keep doing the same things. It is God's desire. It is even his demand that we have a more and more faith. That we are constantly moving closer and closer to the cross of Christ. We are constantly becoming more and more like Christ. Constantly falling in love, more and more in love with God. That's what sanctification is. It's, it's one, of our, one of our values around here is transformation. We pursue radical life change. I think one of the saddest things that happens in churches is people just come to church. And they just keep coming to church. And a year later, five years later, ten years later, they're still untransformed. I would have to think that's one of the saddest things that could happen. Because you have a church body that is not a more and more church. It's a church that is a good enough church. And my desire for River Life is I want us to be a more and more congregation. Where we are growing, where we're challenging ourselves, where we're pushing. We're taking baby steps even if we have to. But we're taking steps. That's more and more faith. So, let's continue. Now he gives an, a, an application of living this out. 
And he, he talks about two of them. The first one is about sex. And the second one is about loving others. So here's the first one. It's part of that same phrase, it's God's will. So it's God's will that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God. The very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. So we'll, we'll pause there. So to summarize, Paul says, it is God's will that you should avoid sexual immorality. Now that word sexual immorality, that's a single word in Greek, and it's, it's an umbrella term. It's, it's a large, it's an all-encompassing term that basically describes anything outside sex between a husband, consensual sex between a husband and a wife. This term, sexual immorality, covers pretty much everything else. It, it, carry, or it, um, it, it uh, falls under or, or connotes everything from extramarital sex, unmarried sex, dating sex, solo sex, prostitution sex, uh, porn, strip clubs, anything, anything that is outside the consensual loving sex between a husband and a wife. That's what this word means. So, so it's kind of a sex catch-all term of all the other ways that we have tried to kind of twist what God originally created. And, and then he gives five ways to do this, five reasons why and how we should avoid sexual immorality. He says, we should learn to control our own bodies. He says, we should live honorable and holy lives. So holy is a word that is a God-centered word. Honorable is a word that is other-centered word. So we have, we should live holy, God-centered, and then honorable, other-centered. That's the life. And he contrasts it with passionate lust. And lust is a wanting. It's a fundamentally self-centered. And one of the roots of pretty much any sexual sin you can get yourself into is it comes out of self-centeredness. Okay? He also says we shouldn't wrong or take advantage of another person in sexual situations. This word take advantage can also be translated as exploit. He's talking about sexual exploitation. And if there's anything that the Me Too movement of the last couple of years has shown us is that a lot of sex can in involve exploitation by people in power or influence against those without power and without influence. And Paul says that should, you should avoid that. That should never be a part of your sexual life is the taking advantage of somebody else. Um, he also says God will punish us. God will punish those who practice and participate in sex outside of consensual loving sex between a husband and a wife. He also says that, that this instruction isn't from a person. It's not like Paul's decide to rain down on everyone's parade and say, no sex for you. No, it's not a rejection of a person's command. This is a rejection of God. 
and God's command. And then lastly, and most importantly, and he just slips it in right at the end, but that God gave us the Holy Spirit. And one of the most consistent things that is said of the Holy Spirit throughout the New Testament is that the Holy Spirit empowers us. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live this kind of life that Paul is calling a life avoiding sexual immorality. So now he continues this theme of more and more. He continues it with another application, which is loving other people. Now, about your love for one another. Uh, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God and, to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia, which kind of think Turkey, northern Greece, some of those lower Baltics. That's what Macedonia was. So, in fact, these, these people were loving so well, even Paul had heard how well they were loving people. And they had a reputation all around the region that they were a loving church, which is awesome. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. There it is again. More and more. Y'all are so good at loving, the entire region knows it. But I want you to do it more and more. Don't rest on your laurels. Don't settle for that reputation. Don't stop. I want you to do it. I want you to love more and more. Once again, he affirms this idea of a more and more faith. It is not about a good enough faith. It is a more and more faith. And Paul challenges them. You are a loving church. Can you love more? That's why with something like River Life, we've got a great community engagement um, ministry here, and we do things throughout the year. I don't want to just do the same things every year. I want to do more and more. I want to feed more people, clothe more people, pack more shoeboxes. Because I want us to be a more and more church. Not because I want it, but because God commands it. He calls us to be more and more Christians. So there it is again. More and more. He doesn't want them to settle. He doesn't want them to get comfortable. He doesn't want them to just ride the coattails of what they're doing so far. Nah. He wants to push them and challenge them to live more and more faiths. So that's what happens. God is always calling us to live more and more faith and not a good enough faith. And the longer a church goes, the higher the chances of it slipping into a good enough environment with good enough people and good enough faith. Let's just keep doing the same things we're doing. We're a young church. We're just over four years old. So it's easy to get excited. And, uh, but every year we run a higher and higher risk of settling for just good enough. And I don't want to do that. So every year I'm going to keep pushing you. And every year our ministry leaders are going to keep pushing me. And we're going to keep moving forward more and more. Because it is God's desire for you to have a more and more faith. 
That's what sanctification is. It's more and more like Christ. It's more and more loving, more and more forgiving, more and more obedient, more and more others focused, more and more intimate with Christ, more and more looking like Christ. Now, in contrast, a good enough faith says, I'm going to church now. I wasn't before, but I'm going now. That's good enough. Or at least I'm more loving than my siblings. They're jerks. At least I'm more loving than them. That's good enough. Or maybe, well, well I, I never, at least I never drink, I never drive when I go out drinking. That's good. That's smart. That's good enough. Or I'm comfortable with my faith. I just want to stay where I'm at. I'm comfortable. I don't want to work too much harder. I'm good enough. So I want to ask you, are you living a more and more faith? Or are you living a good enough faith? And the dead giveaway for that answer is, what were you like a year ago? Were you the same? Was your understanding of God the same? Was your love for other people the same? Was your closeness, intimacy with Christ the same? And part of what I love about church here at River Life is we're a place where you can come and you can begin that more and more journey. Whether you are far from Christ or close to Christ. God is challenging you to live a more and more faith. So now, do you want to live a more and more faith? Or do you want kind of like those moments where I said, be like, I just want to live my life. Like, do I really have to keep working at it? Isn't this good enough? I really wish it could be. Or do you want that more and more faith? And if you do, how do you do it? How do you actually develop a more and more faith? Well, I'm going to set forth a proposition. Now, you may disagree with it, and that's okay. I may be wrong here. I don't think I am. But I'm open to this. Here's my proposition, though. Here it is. Active participation in a church community is the best environment to build a more and more faith. Active participation in a church environment is the best, a uh, church community, it's the best environment to build a more and more faith. Because we all know it, when we try to do stuff by ourselves, we don't often get a whole lot of more and more. But you throw in one more person, helping you work out, helping you eat better, keeping you accountable, all of a sudden you do a little better. You throw in another person, another person, another person. All of a sudden, we do better. I have never known someone in my, in my 30 or so odd years of being a Christian. I have never known someone who has thrived in their faith away from a church community. I've never known that. You know what? Yeah, sure, there might be those folks out there. But let me tell you, for every one out there, I could probably give you hundreds of people who distanced themselves from a faith community, 
who stayed on the fringes, who maybe came in and left quick without making connections, without making commitments, or just didn't go to church. I could tell you hundreds of stories of people whose faith weakened over time. They didn't even have a good enough faith. They had a falling apart faith. Now, I'm not saying that church is the magical place that if you come here on Sundays and you volunteer, and all of a sudden your faith will automatically bloom. But I will tell you, there is no better environment for a more and more faith than active participation in a church community. I mean, that's part of why I'm a pastor, because I believe in church. And I believe in church can help your faith. It can help you grow. It can help you become more and more like Christ, more and more loving, more and more forgiving, more and more of a better husband, more and more of a better spouse a better wife, more and more of a better son, daughter, mom, dad. More and more happens here. So because of that, I want to help you, help you get a sense of how you can be more and more. How this church community can help you have a more and more faith. To break you out of a good enough rut. And so, because if all of this, if this statement is really true, isn't it part of our church, like my responsibility and this church's responsibility to help you have a more and more faith? So, to help you with that, I have a question. And this is a question you're going to hear more and more around River Life. In fact, it's going to be one of the biggest questions we ask almost every single Sunday around here. What's your next step? What's your next step? Because if more and more is moving forward, the way we move forward is with one step. We think moving forward is, well, I'm kind of a so-so Christian, but I want to be an awesome Christian, so I want to be all the way over here. You know how you get all the way over here? You take one step. Um, I've run a number of marathons. I've run four marathons so far, and I'm even thinking about doing another one this next year. And, and one of the ways they talk, they talk, they say, how do you finish a marathon? One step at a time. You don't think about running 26 miles, because that's just terrifying. <laughs> you think about taking one step, and then you take another step. You run to the end of a block, you run to the next mile marker. It's one step after another. And I, I have repeated that mantra to myself countless times on long, exhausting runs. Just keep going. One step. One more step. One step in front of the other. Faith is built one step at a time. And maybe it's a big step. Maybe it's a baby step. But it's a step. So I want to ask you, what's your next step? Every one of you in here has a next step as it relates to river life, as it relates to your faith. What's your next step? What's the next step in your faith, in your individual personal faith? What's the next step in your, in your participation in a church environment, be it River Life, or maybe you're visiting from another church, or maybe you don't go to church, and your next step is, I'm going to start coming to church, and that's your next step.
But there is always a next step. What's your next step to lean into your weakness for God to help you grow in? What's the next step that will transform your marriage? What's the next step that a year from now you will look back and say, that was the best decision I could have ever made? What's the next step that will deal with the sin that you just can't shake? And it's almost become an addiction to you. What's your next step that will change your life for the better? What's your next step? So to help you answer this question, almost every week you're going to begin to hear that. And I'm going to challenge you with what's your next step. And I want to help every one of you take a next step. Because every one of you has a next step that can help you build a more and more faith. So... So to help you with this, and, and I've asked a few volunteers to help me pass something out to you. So, so if that's one of you here, come on up, grab your stack. So throughout this week and, and the pre previous week, I've put together a list here of a hundred next steps here at River Life. A hundred of them. Three pages. Single spaced. None of that double spaced junk, man. <laughs> a hundred ways hundred next steps. Because I want to help you take your next step. So these next steps are, are divided up, whoa, they're divided up into a few categories. First, if you're, if you're brand new to River Life, maybe your next step is, the first category is learn more about the church. And we've got different things for you to do. Maybe, maybe you've been coming and you, you, you sit on the side, sit in the back, you sneak in a little late, sneak out right after service, and maybe your next step is going to be to get more involved. We've got some next steps for that. And then maybe your next step is you want to grow in your faith. You are a Christian, that you, you love God, you believe in Jesus, but you want to grow. Maybe your faith has kind of stagnated. Or you're not a Christian. And you're here exploring this thing called Christianity. We've got a whole bunch, a whole list of next possible steps for you. And then on page two, half this list. 50 of these things on this list of 100. 50 of these things are ways to get more Bible in your life. Because there is nothing that will transform you more than the, the Word of God. And I know that's exactly what you, you would expect a pastor to say. Read your Bible more. Okay? But you know what? I got 50 ways for you to get more Bible in your life without feeling a guilt-induced open up and flip my Bible or open up my app. No. 50 exciting ways to get more of God's Word into your life. So you've got 100 possibilities here. 100 possibilities to answer the question of what's my next step. So for me, for me, I, I tried something new this week. Um, I grabbed a devotional that I, I'd had for a while, and I've, I've done a, a little bit now and then. But it involves a spiritual habit or a spiritual practice of silence. So I've been doing some silence this week. And I mean, I'll be honest, it's not like my life has changed. And all of a sudden, I, I, like, God came down to me in a burning bush or anything. And, but but I, I, this is something I'm committing to. And, and it's not something I used to, I, I didn't really practice this idea of silence. And so I'm doing that once. I'm, I'm shooting for twice a day to spend some time in silence. And allow God to speak to me instead of me talking to him. So that's something new that I, I added this week. Um, as I was prepping this, I'm like, dang, I better do a next step. 
what kind of hypocrite would I be to be challenging everybody else to do a next step? So, so I tried on a next step, and, and I'll let you know how that goes as the days and weeks progress. And hopefully the, that this will be a time for me to be able to hear God better as I sit and silence myself and quiet myself and quiet my soul before God and hopefully make a habit of it. So what's your next step? Because remember my premise. Active participation in a church community is the best environment to build a more and more faith. And if that's River Life, wonderful. We love you, and I'm so glad you're a part of us. If that's another church, wonderful. I'm so glad you're a part of another church. And if you don't go to church, come give us a shot and see what being a part of a faith community can do for your life and your faith. So let's be a church of more and more Christians. Not just more and more bodies, but more and more Christ followers. Join me in prayer. God, I'll confess this is a tough challenge from you, Lord, I'll, that pushing more and more is not something I personally am wired to do. God, so we need your Holy Spirit. I need your Holy Spirit. This church needs your Holy Spirit to empower us to be more than we are, to grow us beyond the limits of our own sin, beyond the limits of our own laziness, to grow us to be more and more. God, I pray that we, River Life, becomes a church that is constantly growing, more like you and closer to you. So help us to be more and more Christians and have a more and more faith. Let it start with me. Let it start with the ministry team and the leaders of this church. God, and I pray for each person here as they, as they look at this list, Lord, that you can challenge them, that you can draw them. Not me, not guilt, not pressure, none of that, Lord. But you can meet them and open their eyes to a next step to follow you more, to believe in you more, to love you more. So help every person here have a next step for their faith. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.